This is Financially Free with Wellington Adams, featuring Baron Fitzgerald and Simon Hilliard from Wellington Adams Investment Advisory. When a part of your financial strategy is out of tune, your long-term goals, your retirement savings, and your legacy can all suffer. With many years of experience in the financial industry, Barron and Simon provide their clients and prospects with the information they need regarding Social Security, retirement income planning, wealth management, and much more. Listen in as we address your financial concerns and provide helpful solutions to put you on the path to achieving your retirement goals. And now, here is Financially Free with Wellington Adams with your hosts, Baron Fitzgerald and Simon Hilliard. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of Financially Free with myself, Baron Fitzgerald. Unfortunately for today's show, Simon Hilliard is not available, so it's just going to be myself solo with my famous co-host, Mr. Tony Shore. We also have a very, very special guest today, Mr. Wayne Schmidt. Um, today's show is going to be titled Monetary Policy and the Role of the Federal Reserve. Um, if any point during the show you'd like a little bit more information, please feel free to give us a call at 855-793-2409 or visit us on our website, wellingtonadams.com. Um, also, while you're at the website, feel free to click on the radio page. You can check out any of our past shows. And we now subscribe our show on iTunes, Google Play, or Spotify. Uh, at this point, I'd like to welcome to our show the infamous co-host, Mr. Tony Shore. How you doing, Tony? <laughs> wow. Well, that was a great introduction uh, for today's show, Baron, and uh, infamous. Yeah, definitely not famous, but maybe infamous. I don't know. Uh, but I'm doing great. I've had a great week and I'm just excited about today's show. So I'm going to throw it right back to you so we can uh, dig in with our special guest, right? Yeah. Um, first, I just wanted to do a little intro on the show. You know, after the worst year for stocks since 2008, the markets made a V-shaped recovery uh, in the first quarter of 2019, which pretty much made back almost everything that it lost in 2018. The economic data has been really, really positive. Um, it's slowed a little bit from the impressive levels of 2018, but it still remains positive. Labor market is still very, very healthy with unemployment um, below 4%. GDP is up uh, annualized for quarter four of 2.2%. Um, it's forecasted to become a little bit moderate because of ongoing trade tensions and slowing global uh, economic momentum, but still overall doing pretty well. As far as the Federal Reserve is concerned, they've moved to an even more dovish stance, which left the federal funds rate unchanged during their March Federal Open Market Committee meeting due to some decelerating economic data. So with the Fed on hold for the remainder of the year, equities should fare pretty well. Um, as glo and however, though, as global growth slows and key geopolitical events loom, things like Brexit and the China war trade you know, talks, we believe that our investors should really prepare themselves for... Um, Quite a bit of volatility in 2019, but we want to talk a little bit about the Federal Reserve and bonds. We're going to talk a little bit about how the um, bonds rate have been, bond rates have been affected, how they're going to um, look at it. We're going to look at interest rates. We're going to look at the bond market outlook, outlook excuse me. And we're going to talk a little bit about how the um, inverted curve, you know, some thoughts on that, what had happened just recently. And no one better to discuss this today than our special, special guest speaker today, Mr. Wayne Schmidt. Wayne is a chartered financial analyst who joined Gradient Investments back in 2008. 
He serves as their chief investment officer. He has over 30 years of investment experience, um, has been with, uh, as I said, Gradient since 2008. Before that, he was with AXA Investment Managers. Um, he was actually handpicked by them to build their U.S. investment grade fixed income uh, capabilities and to just lead a seasoned portfolio team. So um, he's been on several uh, media outlets, highlights as far as Fox Business, Forbes, The Wall Street Journal. Uh, he's also been internationally recognized in publications such as Bloomberg, Reuters, and The Los Angeles Times, as well as he's provided market insights on Bloomberg Radio as well as Bloomberg TV. Very good, Baron. Thanks for having me on today. It's a pleasure to be here. And that was a great summary on the you know, the economy and what's going on with the Fed is a, a lead into today's conversation. So thank you for that. So, Wayne, tell us, please, the role of the Federal Reserve. You know, the, the Fed's main role is, you know, conduct monetary policy. That's what we, you know, see in the news all the time. And their goal of promoting financial stability, you know, they're supervising and regulating the financial institutions in the country, making sure everything runs smoothly, that People get paid when they're supposed to get paid and the whole wire transfer, you know, system. And really uh, the important part of the the Fed, I guess their, their two main uh, functions are, you know, price stability. You know, they want to keep inflation under control and they want full employment. So that's really what's driving the, the Fed or those two mandates is, is what they're trying to accomplish in, in the economy. And regarding monetary policy, why does it matter so much, Wayne? You know, and I think if we just look back over the last three quarters, we kind of see the effect that monetary policy has had, you know, on the markets themselves and the volatility. Um, you know, we go back to early October. Okay, if you remember or think back, end of September, the stock market was near all-time highs. Things were going great. And we come to early October, and the Fed says, you know, we're not close to neutral. You know, they'd been raising rates uh, for uh, regular time intervals. Basically, every quarter they're bumping it up 25 basis points a time, you know, trying to get back to what I'll call a neutral stance. And the Fed chairman says we're a long way from neutral. I think that spooked the markets. And we had the fourth quarter that we had in stocks, uh, which was a lot of volatility, you know, downward. And then all of a sudden, then you mentioned this, there was this pivot to a dovish stance in January. You know, basically the Fed came out and said, you know, it's the economy slowing down a little bit. Inflation is well under control and we're going to stay, uh, we're going to stay the course and be patient for 2019. And I think that event early January just changed the tone, you know, of the stock market. And you talked about that V-shape bounce back, you know, a lot to do with monetary policy. So monetary policy affects the economy, it affects the stock market, and certainly affects the bond market because they're setting the level of short-term interest rates. So Wayne, can you tell us what the Federal Open Market Committee actually does and, you know, how that's formed? Yeah, you know, and that's really the the entity that sets monetary policy. So there's 12 voting members of the committee, seven come from the Board of Governors. So those are appointed by the president and approved by the Senate. And in the news recently, there's been a lot of headlines and concern about, you know, the appointment of um, Herman Cain and Stephen Moore. And I think Herman 
Herman Cain has removed himself from consideration, but uh, Trump was trying to put some people on the home team on the Federal Reserve Board. And there's a lot of questions about, well, the Fed's independent and you shouldn't be doing that and and creating a little bit of hubbub, I guess, in the news. But we'll we'll get through that. So you have the the seven people from the board. Currently, Chairman Powell, who is appointed by the president, is the chairman of the Federal Open Market Committee. And then the Federal Reserve Bank has 12 districts, uh, 12 banks around the country, and then each bank has its own president. So on a rolling one-year term, five of those presidents, uh, they sit on the committee making a 12-person committee. So that's the group that really gets together. And when you hear, oh, what did the Fed decide to do? Well, it's that committee that's deciding to raise rates, not to raise rates, to cut short-term interest rates. So that's kind of a little bit the background behind the Fed. Okay. So kind of tell me if you if you can, tell me some tools in their toolkit that what do they actually kind of do? You know, in the last seven years, we've, we've seen them do a lot of things uh, with that. The front and center is really the, you know, the Fed funds rate they set. And that's the rate that, you know, banks can charge one another for, you know, overnight lending um, and also Fed funds rate if a bank needs to borrow from the Fed. So they really can control short-term interest rates. The Fed can't do much about long-term interest rates because the market is going to dictate that based on inflation and right. and other economic factors, GDP growth and, and such. Um, their other large tool is the open market operations. And we saw that in full force when you know, we were coming out of the financial crisis of 2008 and uh, Chairman Bernanke took Fed funds rate from five and a quarter down to basically zero in the wink of an eye because he realized the impact of what was going to happen in the banking system. But when the Fed realized that that may not be enough, uh, they went out to the open market and purchased securities, uh, bond securities, mostly treasuries and some mortgage-backed securities, and they went to the banks and said, hey, we'll buy these bonds back from you off of your balance sheet. And basically, they created cash, if you will, because now all of a sudden the bank got these loans off their books and they had a deposit with the Fed, money on deposit with the Fed. And that kind of secured the, you know, the, the capitalization of those banks got a lot stronger when they did that. Uh, But the risk is there. And what did happen is the Fed blew up their balance sheet, which used to run about 800 billion, you know, was the size of the total assets of the Federal Reserve. You know, all of a sudden ballooned to to 4.5 trillion. And we stayed there for a long time and we're just starting the unwind of that. And that's some of the other things you'll you'll see or hear about with the Fed of the unwinding of that open market operation. So the balance sheet is starting to uh, shrink. Uh, for the Fed, but it's still uh, still around four four trillion dollars, but it's shrinking at about uh, fifty billion a month. So they're they're making some progress. Well, thanks for that, Wayne. Um, can you tell us um, a little bit about the Fed funds rate history? I know back when I was in high school, I remember uh, I had a nice little bank account that I had uh, built up when I was working as uh, as a young teenager. And I remember back then that I was getting a ton of uh, interest on my uh, on my uh, bank account. I, I know that's no longer the case, but can you tell us a little bit about the history of it? You know, the we've been through quite a cycle over the years. You know, you go back to the mid fifties with the Fed funds rate, but the time period you're talking about was, you know, after that period of stagflation and the early years of the Reagan 
presidency. Um, inflation was a real concern after you remember the gas lines and gas prices, and maybe we're dating ourselves to some of the younger listeners. But, um, you know, it was a period of uh, high inflation. The Fed said, we're going to get aggressive and stamp out inflation. Well, they took that Fed funds rate to, to north of 20 percent. I mean, right after the peak of that, I think we got our wife and I got our first home mortgage in uh, on the way down uh, from there, where it was under 12 percent. We were all excited that we got an 11 and 7 right. uh, <laughs> mortgage on the on the house. But, uh, wow. you know, we've come a long way since then. And I'd say that period when Volcker came in, the chairman at the time, and said, we're going to we're going to stamp out inflation and take a hard stance. It worked. It was painful, but it worked. Um, and then the other period was after this 2008 uh, financial crisis that we're all familiar with and experience. The Fed took interest rates to zero, which was a bold step. And they did the open market operations, which became known as quantitative easing, uh, where they went and bought those bonds back from, uh, from the banks. But they held that Fed funds rate at zero for seven years. And I think that was a surprise. Yep. And what we've seen since 2015 is the Fed is like, you know, we have to get back to a normal monetary policy. We can't stay at zero forever. I think under the cover of, you know, Trump coming in and the tax cuts and some of the corporate tax cuts kind of gave the Fed a little bit of a cover. And they said, you know, we're going to close our eyes and raise rates because we can't live at zero. You know, they get things up over a couple of year period up to two and a half percent. And then, you know, then now they've come to the point now where they've said, you know, we're, we're kind of okay here. We're going to watch the data and we're going to be patient. So I, I think the Fed's in a good place. They did what they had to do both during the crisis and now that we're through the crisis, trying to get back to something that would be normal. And that's where that word normalization of Fed funds policy or monetary policy comes in. So I think we're, we're closer to normal and the Fed has really done a pretty good job of managing through this economic crisis. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I think at this point, uh, Tony, do you, we're maybe running on a little bit of time. Do you think yeah. maybe we should take a break now? Yeah, we're pretty close to the end of our first segment here, but great okay. information from Wayne and uh, great show so far, Baron. But uh, yeah, do you have anything you want to add for our listeners before we take the break? Yeah, just want to uh, offer our listeners, obviously, we're very, very happy to have uh, such an expert as Wayne on the show. Um, one of the things that we really love about working with Grady Investments is we have a lot of access to some of the best portfolio managers in the country. Um, often, if I need to have uh, a, a question answered for a client, I can get one of them on the phone, Wayne especially. So we really love that intimacy. Um, one of the things that we do want to provide to any of our listeners out there um, Anyone who has any questions or would like to sit down and talk with us, please feel free to give us a call, 855-793-2409, um, or visit us on our website, wellingtonadams.com. We'd love to sit down with you and kind of uh, put together any kind of plan that you may need, or just sit down and, and answer any questions that you may have. All right. Thanks, Baron. And listeners, stay tuned. We're going to be right back with more of Financially Free Radio and our host, Baron Fitzgerald after this. Retirement is more than newly discovered free time. It is also a time to reflect on how you will be remembered. Many people want to leave a legacy, whether they want to be remembered for an action, deed, or provision put in place for generations to come. Regardless of what your legacy goals are, it is important to make the proper arrangements now 
Call Wellington Adams Investment Advisory to find out how you can structure your retirement savings to help increase the value of your estate and create a legacy you want to leave. At Wellington Adams Investment Advisory, our team can help you protect your legacy for loved ones, provide benefits for charities, and avoid excessive tax burdens. Call us at 855-793-2409 for your legacy planning needs. We will provide you a complimentary Legacy Maximizer report just for calling. Visit us at wellingtonadams.com to learn more. That number again is 855-793-2409. In today's volatile environment, making sure your assets are properly aligned with your financial goals has never been more important. Money can go up or down in value, and it may pose a risk if it isn't properly managed to serve a specific purpose in a comprehensive plan. If you have ever thought that maybe too much of your assets were exposed to market risk, you owe it to yourself and your retirement to check out the Color of Money Risk Analysis, the first step to getting your assets aligned with your goals. At Wellington Adams Investment Advisory, we use this simple 11-question survey to help gain insight into your financial profile. Armed with your score, we can help you make decisions about your asset allocation in retirement. To learn more about this valuable self-assessment, visit us at wellingtonadams.com or call us today at 855-793-2409. And welcome back to Financially Free Radio with our host, Baron Fitzgerald of Wellington Adams and myself, your co-host, Tony Shore. And this is a very special episode of Financially Free Radio because we have a great guest on today, don't we, Baron? Yeah, definitely, Tony. We're very, very pleased to have Wayne on our show. We feel uh, very, very uh, honored to have him and he's taking out some of the time from his busy schedule. So we really, really appreciate that a lot, Wayne. Um, just wanted to touch base, continue with the show and talk about, you know, what do you think, Wayne, you know, what are the Fed funds expectations moving forward? I know that, you know, we've been in, like you said, a, uh, a very low, uh, almost zero rate invest, uh, excuse me, interest rate environment for a while. And then we're starting to kind of come back a little bit. What do you, what are their expectations moving forward? You know, it, it's changed this year and changed for the good as far as the, you know, stock market is concerned and the bond market too, for that matter. But when we started the year, you know, the Fed was really in the hawkish camp and the hawkish meaning they're going to raise rates. And I think the expectation was, you know, two, maybe three more 25 basis point tightenings in 2019. And the market had counted on that. That's what they were expecting uh, to happen. And then early January, the Fed came out and said, you know what, we're uh, we're going to make this pivot. They didn't say that pivot to dovish, but they did take a dovish stance saying, you know, we might be done here for 2019. And then the March meeting when they came out and made the comments kind of reiterated that, that patience is the, the order of the day. So I think where we're at today, the general consensus is, at least what the market expects, is nothing out of the Fed in terms of short-term rate moves for the remainder of 2019. And there seems to be equal debate whether the next move would actually be a cut to rates or if the next move would actually be another 25 basis point increase. So uh, basically any movement of the Fed got pushed off, I think, until 2020. And that's what really started this stock rally that we saw uh, beginning January and and working its way through the first quarter. Right. They're they're even looking at a, a, a possible cut, did you say? Yeah, no, some people are, you know, calling for that, that they think, you know, the economy will 
slow down a little bit as the year progresses and such then, you know, and the Fed is, has said, you know, we'll be data dependent. So if we do right. get a little bit more slowdown uh, than anticipated or a little bit less inflation, that's a possibility. So I think right now the Fed is, you know, basically declared, hey, we're neutral and we're going to stay there. And I think the market's kind of applauded that, applauded that and said, oh, that's a good place for us to be. And, you know, we'll see where we go from here. So I, I think the Fed is, you know, on the sidelines for the remainder of 2019. Okay, great. Yeah, that definitely has had, a, in my opinion, a, a very positive effect for the stock market. And hopefully that continues throughout the year if they, uh, you know, continue with their stance as far as not raising them. Um, one thing I did want to ask you about, Tony, that um, kind of piques a lot of interest with myself personally, as well as uh, my clients, is we recently had a lot of talk about um, the yield curve inverting. Can you explain a little bit about what that actually means when the yield curve inverts? And, you know, do we look at that in uh, a short term? Are we looking at a three month uh, short term um Fed run, Fed rate, or the or the two year Treasury rate. What are we What are we looking at as far as the yield uh, inversion is concerned? Yeah, just in layman's terms, I would say that yeah, the yield curve inversion is just a situation where short term interest rates, like you say, could be the three month T bill or a two year Treasury, are the rates are higher than a you know long term Treasury, a ten and thirty year. So the inversion would be higher short rates, higher than you know, long-term interest rates. And, and that doesn't happen too often, uh, but when it's happened in the past, it has done a great job of predicting a recession down the road. So while, while we hear a lot about the inverted yield curve, there's a good reason for that. And usually after the inversion of the yield curve, 12 to 16 months later, the economy finds itself in a recession. So we got really close here. I mean, the yield curve, if we go back to the beginning of the financial crisis was um, was fairly uh, after the financial crisis, I'm sorry, when they took interest rates to zero, you know, we had zero short term interest rates and high rates on the 10 and 30 Longer, year, relatively right. speaking. We had a steep yield curve. And as the Fed has raised short term interest rates up to two and a half percent, now we have a fairly flat yield curve. You know, Fed funds at two and a half percent, the 10 year at two and a half percent, the two year at like 2.3%. So we're close to that inversion point. Usually the data, they usually look at the twos to tens, two year to 10 year inversion. We have, we've been awful close. We haven't quite got there, but I think everybody's got the radar up saying, oh, you know, we're close to an inversion. That's going to point to a recession down the road, but, and, and down the road, it's, it's probably a year to 15 months later as a recession might finally appear. So it's not an immediate concern, concern, but I think it's something that is worth watching. And right. I think the Fed watches this too. And while they can control short-term interest rates, you know, I think they're, they don't want to produce, if you will, a inverted yield curve on purpose, but, uh, but we're right there right now and, and we'll kind of see how it plays out. Okay. So, um, Basically, what you're saying is you don't want to fight the Fed, right? <laughs> yeah, no, that's, you know, that's good advice. And and you go back and you look in history, you know, and you hear that comment a lot. But typically, you know, when the Fed is act actively lowering Fed funds rate, 
like they did in the financial crisis coming out of 2008, 2009, they took rates to zero. As an investor, that's probably a good time for you to take more risk in your portfolio. Or if you're in a a risk tolerance ban, let's say, that's probably where you want to be at maximum risk for you. That doesn't mean all in 100% stock, but maybe you're a 60-40, 60 stocks, 40 bonds. And, you know, if you're under that hurdle, maybe you're 40 stocks or 50 stocks, when the Fed's cutting interest rates, that's probably the time that you should feel comfortable adding more risk in your portfolio. And vice versa, when the Fed is tightening, they're doing that to slow down an economy. And that's probably a signal to the investor to say, you know what, if the Fed's tightening interest rates, trying to slow down the economy, that ought to be a signal to me maybe where I should play my portfolio at the lower end of the risk tolerance. So that don't fight the Fed. If the Fed's creating easy money, money supply is increasing, they're trying to help fuel the economy, probably probably a good time for you to get on board and participate. And the opposite is also true. Yep. So I think before we end the show, I just wanted to touch base a little bit. Um, if you could talk about how the first quarter of bond market returns have been and what we kind of predict for the remainder of the year. I'll be happy to. I mean, the first quarter for bonds was was a great first quarter. Okay. When we look at the the aggregate bond market. And basically what that is, is all investment grade bonds. So the higher quality bonds out there, that was up almost 3% for the first quarter. Um, High yield bonds, which are junk bonds and lower rated credit, usually follows or correlates well with the stock market. Stock market had a great first quarter. High yield bonds were up uh, 7%, you know, for the quarter, just north of 7%. And I guess what I'd be careful with is, 3% 3% for investment grade get bonds, 7% for high yield in first quarter. Don't fall into the trap of extrapolating those numbers out for the rest of the year because we're not going to do 28% returns in high yield bonds this year. Okay, that's right. not going to happen. <laughs> but I think from here, we have a fairly stable Fed. You know, they're not going to do much. I think the yield curve will be fairly stable. The, I don't think, I don't see a lot of volatility in interest rates going ahead. So I think this is from here on out, if we can earn the coupon, you know, not have any price appreciation or depreciation, you know, this year, if it were to finish here, uh, this would be a great year for bonds. Yep. Yeah. So I I guess I can't be telling my clients to expect about 25% from their uh, bond yields for the year, right? No, that that wouldn't be good for business. You don't want to do that. Well, Wayne, I really, really want to thank you so much for um, giving us your expertise for the show. It's really been a pleasure speaking with you. Um, again, uh, Tony, as well, thank you for uh, hosting our show with me. Uh, it's always a pleasure having you on. Again, for anybody listening, if you have any questions about the show or if you just some, like some general information, please feel free to give us a call, 855-793-2409 or visit us on our website, wellingtonadams.com. And thanks again, listeners. Thank you for listening to Financially Free with Wellington Adams. Don't pay too much for taxes or retire without a sound income plan. For more information, please contact Baron Fitzgerald and Simon Hilliard at Wellington Adams Investment Advisory. Call 855-793-2409.
or visit them online at wellingtonadams.com. All matters discussed during this show are for informational purposes only. Each individual situation may vary and the opinions expressed here may not apply to everyone. Materials presented are believed to be from reliable sources and no representations can be made as to its accuracy. All ideas and information should be discussed in detail with one of our qualified representatives prior to implementation. Baron Fitzgerald, Simon Hilliard, and Wellington Adams Investment Advisory are not affiliated with or endorsed by the Social Security Administration or any other government agency.